all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, and thank you for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today is all about fitness and exercise, and it is kind of an open mic about that. We are want to take all your questions um, and calls about exercise and fitness, so give us a ring at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And my guest today is Kai Henson, who is a fitness specialist with the University Wellness Centers, and he is going to, he is a complete expert about fitness. We've been chatting this morning, and I have learned some things already this morning, so I know you want to get a chance to call and talk with him. Good morning, Kai. Good morning, Josie. How are you? Very good. Good. It is a hot one outside today already, and it's going to be even hotter today, but it is nice and cool in this booth, so we have (laughs) no excuse not to talk about exercise and all the good things about it. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what you do at the wellness centers. So I am one of our fitness specialists on staff for the Brandon University Wellness Center location. Uh, Responsibilities range from fitness assessments, orientations, getting people used to the equipment, the gym, that sort of stuff. Uh, Of course, personal training. uh, That's one of my responsibilities. Um, Also, just facility maintenance, making sure things are, you know, the equipment works and that sort of stuff. Uh, Nothing's falling apart. (laughs) Uh, And then we have our Next Steps program which is uh, relatively new within, over the past year, but it's a medical integration program that is, you know, people with, it could be as simple as weight management. It could be uh, some kind of cardiovascular issue, diabetes, but we take them and basically prescribe them exercise to, you know, help with their condition, alleviate symptoms, that sort of stuff. So that that's just a few of my responsibilities. And in conjunction with a healthcare provider. So it Absolutely. really is integrated fitness from the medical perspective and as well as from your perspective. So we kind of work as a team to make sure that we get people as healthy as we can. Now, you're a fitness specialist. How is that different than just your regular personal trainer? So, like I said, personal training is a part of my responsibility, but uh, one of the biggest differences is I can work with high-risk personnel from, like I said, cardiovascular, diabetes, fitness, that sort of stuff. Personal training, as far as a general personal trainer, is more for general fitness. You know, your average decently healthy person, maybe overweight, but still relatively healthy. Uh, plus, I deal with some of the facility maintenance, that sort of stuff. So that that's just a couple things outside the spectrum of a regular physical, uh, excuse me, personal trainer. Regular personal trainer. All right. So I have I kind of amass some emails over time of folks who have general fitness questions. And so I've got several of those that I want to go over today, as well as any of the callers that we have. And if you do want to join in our conversation, please give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 I get a lot of questions about exercising as we age. So what are some of the issues about exercising as we get older? Uh, First of all, things hurt worse. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we, you know, we do damage to our bodies over time. That's a part of it. But you can improve your fitness at any age, uh, no matter, you know, any chronic ailment. You can feel better. You can look better. All of the above. Um, but yeah, th- those are some of the bigger barriers. And a lot of times, you know, especially in retirement, we may not be as active. Uh, but it's just we're we're not designed to be sedentary beings. We have to move around. We have to do things, whether that's you know planned exercise, going to the gym, or just walking around. You know something around the house, the garden, anything just to stay active. Right. Because we were talking about the difference between exercise and physical activity. What is the difference between those two? So things? physical activity, by definition, is musculoskeletal contraction, heart rate above rest. So basically, moving around. Uh, exercise is typically planned uh, toward a specific goal. So something in mind, a specific workout. Uh, so that, that, you know, physical activity, uh, or excuse me, yeah, that's right. Physical activity is a type, it can be exercise, but exercise is not physical activity. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got you. So, you know, our guidelines that we have nationally, when we look, say 30 minutes of physical activity a day. Right. So, you know, it's not necessarily what we think of as this hardcore exercise where I have to, you know, pack a gym bag and look like I've died on the uh, gym floor. It's just getting up and moving around. So it can be as simple as walking. That's right. Shooting for a minimum 150 minutes a week, which sounds like a lot, but 30 minutes of movement a day. Uh, is not a ton of activity, but that's what we're shooting for, you know, 30 minutes at least five days a week and and more if possible. Right. And it doesn't have to all be at once. So you don't Uh, have to get all that 30 minutes in at one time, especially if you've not been up and been active for a little while and you're wanting to get back into being a little bit more active. 30 minutes can seem very daunting. Um, But if you break it up, you know, five or 10 minutes a couple of times a day, it's much more doable. Absolutely. Yeah. In five, 10 minutes, it's still effective. You're still, you know, getting your heart rate above rest, you're burning calories, you're moving around. So yeah, you can do some in the morning, you know, and if let's say you have a sedentary job where you're not moving as much, get around, take a lap around the office, lap around the building, something five minutes will, you know, it, it, it adds up at the end of the day. So in something after work, you, you can, you can find 30 minutes of time to move. Yeah. I see a lot of folks get up and go to the vending machine as they're, you know, get up and, and get away. But I try to hang out around the vending machines and I'll catch folks when they come down there. I'm like, just come go walk with me for a few minutes and just take a little walk around because you're really just bored yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. You know, I always ask people when they are at the vending machine, I'm like, are you really hungry? I mean, are you hungry? Or were you just tired of sitting at your desk? You know, and if you're really hungry, okay, let's pick something from here that, you know, we could make work. Um, But if you're not, don't just board eat because board eat adds up all during the day. If we board eat three or four times a day, we've added in, you know, five or six hundred extra calories that we didn't enjoy. You know, I love food. I mean, I have a love affair with food. And so I want to enjoy my food. I don't want to just board eat and mindlessly eat and go, whoa, why are my pants not? Fitting. Absolutely. If you're already not moving a lot, adding a you know high sugar, high fat snack is not going to do you a ton of benefit. So walking through the vending machine, that's probably not the best one. Right. It actually probably makes you more sluggish later on when you start to kind of crash from all that uh, processed food you had there. So a little walk around would be a a better option for that. So I had an email um, from a lady. Uh, Her name is Mary. And she emailed and said, what are good exercises for senior citizens? Uh, again, I, I, I take it back to activities of daily living. So just moving around. Um, but really, you know, 
some type of cardiovascular activity, whether that's walking on the treadmill, walking around outside, uh, maybe the recumbent bike. It's a low, it's no impact and is non-weight bearing. That's a good activity. Uh, and then it's something for each major muscle group. And that sounds difficult, but you know, if you have a, a proper orientation or maybe a class setting you can go to at the gym, uh, one of ours in particular that is good for that is our silver sneakers class which that's what they focus on, functional movement, um, moving around, small dumbbells, uh, something for each major muscle group, and then, of course, some type of stretching. Uh, they incorporate stretching because flexibility, it's very important, especially as we age. And why is flexibility so important while we, as we age? Uh, it actually makes you, you survive longer if you're more flexible. Uh, you, you can react better uh, to falls. Uh, you can bend over to pick things up if you drop them or or squat if you do it pro with proper mechanics uh so yeah you just you're you're at less risk uh, to fall that sort of stuff if you are more flexible and you know just like you said improves balance keeps us just overall healthier as we age because we want to stay as independent as long as we can and being able to move through activities of daily living which are just the everyday things like brushing your hair putting on your clothes opening cabinets sweeping mopping those types of things flexibility training can help us be able to do those for longer periods of time absolutely I love how you mentioned proper mechanics. So that is something that I see folks do wrong a lot of times. And then they come in with back aches and, um, or, or even worse, you know, herniated discs and that type of thing in their back that we have to go to ortho and take care of. When we say body mechanics, what are good body mechanics? So I'll, I'll give an example as far as if you do drop something, the, you know, nine times out of ten, the person's, um, the, the way to recover that item is going to be to bend over at the hips. Mm -hmm. The proper way to do that, if you watch a toddler, they squat straight down if they drop something. We lose that over time. We get a little lazier. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's, that's a good example of how to incorporate some of those mechanics. And I love how you're saying that, you know, watch your kids because they, you know, they are, that's how they do it. When my kids drop stuff, when they were little, they did squat down to pick it up. But if I was to drop my pen right now, I would just lean over and pick that up. And that's putting stress on my back. And while it probably doesn't hurt me that one time when I do it over and over and over, and when it's something heavier than a pen, when it's a box of books or something like that, because I was exactly. at, the, at the book sale this weekend and I got so many books that I had to get a large box to put them all in. And I probably had some back strain from so that. that. That's something important. You want to you want to be active, but you do want to learn to do it the right way. Uh, that could be, you know, through a, a good trainer, fitness specialist, anything like that. Uh, a lot of gyms will at least help you or at least, uh, you know, University Wellness Center is one of those that will help you get going. Make sure you, you know, proper posture, full range of motion, that sort of stuff so that you're using proper mechanics through activity. Now, I have not talked to you about this before, but it just occurred to me. I see a lot of folks that are using standing desks. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. I have. So talk to me about standing desks. Are they just a fad or is there some science behind that? Uh, I would think it would, I mean, help your circulatory system. Um, yeah, you, you, that's a little more energy you're going to burn than being seated. It also helps your posture. 
Uh, so, yeah, I think it's something that... Because you're not could, slunched. Uh, absolutely. That's a yeah. very technical term, slunched. Yeah. Okay. That, that's how I'm sitting right now. I'm a little slunched, so I'm going to sit myself up a little bit, get some better body mechanics going on there. Um, one thing I have seen with folks, though, is if they stand for that extended period of time, they'll start to have some ankle swelling. So, you know, I tell folks, you may have to wear a little bit more of like a, a compression sock or something mm-hmm. like we wear as nurses to kind of help return that blood flow back to your heart if you're going to be using a standing desk. And we've got lots of folks over in school of nursing who are using them. I have not bitten that bullet yet, but I say that's because I'm never in my office. So I'm just, you know, a whirlwind running between different things over there. But it looks it looks beneficial for a lot of folks. No, I, th- I think it can. I think it would be better than, than, than what sitting. a lot of people are, are doing currently. Right. Um, now, another question that came in, again, about kind of as we age and stretching. So I know it's a hot topic. Do I stretch before things? Do we stretch during? Do we stretch after? When is that supposed to happen, and does it change depending on our age? Uh, so a few different types of stretching there. Before activity, the best type of stretching to do is dynamic stretching, basically moving around. It could be picking your knees up. It could be kicking your feet back, moving your arms around, basically moving around, get your body warm. Uh, static stretching is typically done or, or best done after physical activity. So at least once you've already warmed up. So I, I use the analogy of a cold rubber band to our muscle. You know, if you move that rubber band around first, just like our muscle, get a little blood to it, move it around, it'll stretch better. You'll have better elasticity. So save the static stretches till after you do some form of activity and at least warm up first. And the static stretching is really kind of probably what you think of as more traditional stretching where you, you know, move your extremity to a certain position and you hold that position for a certain amount of time. That's right. You know, you do your little runner's lunge and you get down there and you hold that for a little while and then you change and do the other side. And, you know, folks can get confused about that. You know, I see folks walk into my fitness class all the time and they start stretching immediately. And I'm like, oh, slow down. Wait a second. You know, let's not statically stretch those cold muscles like that. I'm going to put on some music. We're going to just get a little warmed up. We're going to do some light, you know, dancing around some grapevines or something like that and get up and get moving. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more in depth about stretching. And we're going to talk about weight training and cardio as well. If you want to join in our discussion, give us a call at one mpb ring That's one 672 Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.com. Shazo for Southern Remedy. We've spent over a decade building a vast database of information about Mississippi's health. You have access to all of it 24-7 at our website, southernremedy.org. There you'll find audio on demand of all of our daily radio programs and video on demand of all our television documentaries. It's your go-to website for health answers for all Mississippians. Interact with us today at southernremedy.org. 
Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We're talking all things exercise and fitness today. My guest is Kai Henson, a fitness specialist for the University Wellness Centers. And before we went on the break, we were talking about stretches and the difference between static stretches and dynamic stretches. And I still have some emails coming in about stretching. And so we're going to get to those. We have an email from Amy from Brandon who has a question about kind of lower legs and calf muscles. So um, she says, I have really tight calf muscles. What are the best ways to work on this? And again, do I stretch it before, during, or after my workout? So again, uh, after some type of warm-up, you want to warm up first and then probably do that, you know, toward the middle or end of your workout session, maybe after cardio or maybe at the end of resistance training. Uh, But as far as the calves, there's several stretches you can do for the calves. You can stretch the calf from different angles. Uh, you can also stretch the Achilles. So it, it sounds like she, she may have some tightness to the calves, Achilles area. It could even go uh, to what kind of shoes she's wearing. So maybe that's something, a proper orthotic insert might help alleviate some of that. Uh, but, yeah, if, especially, you know, if you have a muscle that's overly tight, warm it up first uh, so that you're not stretching a cold muscle. And then, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of different stretches that she can do for her calves to alleviate some of that. So if you walk in the gym and you want to do this kind of quick warm up before you start some of your uh, flexibility training or some of your resistance training, can you just hop on the treadmill for a little bit. That or? is that's probably one of the easiest ways to do it. Treadmill, recumbent bike, anything at a low level, low speed, low intensity, uh, slowly acclimating your body, uh, improving your circulation. Uh, getting the heart rate up so that, you know, you're able to do some of these other things, the stretches, without injuring yourself. Now, what's a good speed to start that treadmill out on? Depends on the fitness level. Um, So the body's natural transition from a walk to a jog is somewhere around 4, 4.5 miles an hour. Depends on the height of the person. So I'd say something under that. 2, 3 miles an hour is probably sufficient. Uh, But again, you know, my warm-up is about a 4 mile an hour pace uh, but it, it goes back to the fitness level right and like you said the size of the person because right. I'm pretty tall and if I had a you know someone who was much shorter they're not going to be able to to walk at the same pace as me they're going to be jogging to keep up with me at That's the same right. at the same speed which I get that complaint a lot especially when people are walking with me through the hospital because I walk like I'm on fire when I'm going through the hospital so people are like slow down I have to jog to walk with you um, but now if we're going to be on the treadmill and that's going to be the majority of our workout. You know, if we're going to be focusing on some cardio today, we can't just hang out at that two to three mile pace the no. whole time. I mean, we could, but we're not going to get a whole lot of gain from that. Yeah. So if you do that, if you go fixed pace for fixed time, it's still activity. You'll still get benefit, but you're not going to get the maximum benefit for that period of time. Uh, my favorite way to do it is some type of interval or work up to a certain heart rate range. Uh, so what happens is your body, if you stay at a, a certain speed, you eventually acclimate to that activity, uh, depending on the intensity. So if it's relatively low intensity, moderate intensity, you acclimate, and then your body enters into a steady state where you're burning calories at a fixed level. And that's great if you want to walk or jog you know, a far distance without burning excess energy. Uh, but if you want to get the most benefit for your heart and lungs, your cardiovascular system, uh, some type of interval would be good. And what I mean by that is a lower speed and a higher speed within that fitness level. So you could do it for time. You could do it for distance. Say time is probably a better way to start it, maybe 60 seconds on, 60 seconds off uh, from 
you know, two to three and a half miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, three, five may be a fast pace for you. And the two O is probably something that's that's comfortable that you can maintain for a while. But your uh, heart rate is up and down. You're you're burning more calories in the same amount of time than if you went at a fixed level. Right. And so you mentioned heart rate. And so, you know, people talk about target heart rates all the time. Is that really a thing? Or are we exercising to a certain target heart rate? Yeah, it's one way to do it. Um, you could do that or a rate of perceived exertion, which is basically just how hard is activity, mm-hmm. you know, on a scale of one to 10. But a target heart rate, so typically you, you base it off your age predicted max, which is 220 minus your age. And then you work at a percent of that target okay. heart rate. Uh, it's that's not going to be consistent for everyone. You know, if someone's been running marathons their whole life and they're 60, their max heart rate is probably higher than the average 60 year old. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But, yeah, target heart rate is one way to do it to make sure you're staying in a good calorie burning mode, either, you know, moderate intensities, probably 65 to 70 percent. And then higher than that, you get into the, the higher intensity, close to 80 percent of your max heart rate. And that's when you're huffing and puffing. Exactly. And have that look on your face. Exactly. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into and how do I get off this train? That's right. <laughs> Sometimes what I wind up with when I push the button on the treadmill too much, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fine. And then I think I'm going to die. Um, so, you know, I love how you're talking about the intervals up and down. You know, um, I'm a Zumba instructor, and that's kind of how we build our class um, our class song list. Everybody wonders kind of, you know, why we pick the songs that we do. And it's to build in interval-type training with that because we do songs that are a little slower, and then we'll do songs that are faster to bring you up, and then we'll bring you back down to a little bit uh, more medium pace and then back up and up and down and up and down um, from that. And we get more – that's why we – burn a ton of calories in, uh, you know, a dance fitness class like that when the music is built appropriately for that type of calorie burn from that perspective. We actually just got a brand new um, app for all your Zumba instructors that are out there that will plot that for us now. So it plots our beats per minute on there so we can see when we're going up or when we're going down, which is great from an instructor standpoint because I've made some tweaks to my playlist where I, you know, I still felt like it was pretty high intensity, but it was a little lull in, in beats per minute there and I've swapped that out for something a little higher intensity. I'm sure my class is not super happy about that because you know they're they're huffing and puffing by that point. But we're getting the most burn for what we're doing from that perspective. Absolutely. Which brings me to water because that's what you know, everybody uses those low intensity moments in class to grab some water. You know, how much water should we be drinking during an exercise? So the important thing is to make sure you're hydrated before. Uh, and you don't have to, you know, five minutes before downing a bottle of water may not be the best way, maybe sloshing around during activity. So hydrate through the day leading up until that point. Uh, and, yeah, taking an occasional sip just to make sure you stay hydrated typically to me is the best way to do it uh, without getting that sloshy feeling with water just m- moving around in your stomach. And then, of course, making sure you rehydrate after activity, mm-hmm. uh, drink, drinking some water once you're done. Now, when do we need to move into a drink that has electrolytes in it? Uh, you can do that during. You can, uh, to me, probably most importantly is after the fact. Uh, but but even before, you want to make sure, you know, if you're not getting it through your diet, then it's not a bad idea. Uh, but again, it goes back to the you don't want to do a, a large quantity. Uh, you can, you know, get cramps that way, that sort of stuff. So uh, just small sips through the workout. You can do some kind of sports drink. Be careful with the sugar content. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, that's something else to watch. But yeah, typically after I, I think would be a great time to replenish those electrolytes. Yeah, you know you have to be careful with those sports drinks because a lot of them when you drink a whole you know a whole. 16 20 ounce one of those somewhere around 200 calories in there and depending on what your workout was you may not have burned a whole lot more than that you know 250 300 calories for your workout you don't want to kind of negate the whole the whole thing if weight loss is what you're you know looking for if you're Absolutely. looking to burn some of that um, but at the same time you want to make sure that you've given your body enough energy to handle the task ahead you know for me i have to make sure i eat something before i exercise or my sugar is going to kind of crash out about the 45 minute mark of that and that makes for a sad class if your instructor starts to get the droops about 45 minutes in so i've got to have something before i start is there a good thing to have before you start yeah um i I mean fruit is a great way of course again you know especially if you're diabetic or something may have to watch the sugar content but at least you're getting some nutrients you're getting some of those electrolytes from a banana or something like that uh granola bar you, you can take in carbohydrates before. You need to, you know, make sure your muscle glucose is at its highest level, your liver glycogen, that's your first energy uh, source that you're going to use mm-hmm. during activity. Uh, so it's not a, a bad idea. Yeah, make sure that blood sugar stays level through the activity. What about supplements? Do people need, because that's a question I get all the time. So should I take this fat burner shredder combination? Should I take this energy boost? You know, what... What about these supplements for fitness? Yeah, the supplements are a way to, I think, kind of balance out a bad diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to me, it goes back to nutrition. If you're eating all the foods, the fruits, the vegetables, you know, green leafy vegetables, um, making sure you're, you know, getting some kind of protein in your diet. If you're doing all those things, you don't have to have those supplements. Uh, Specifically, you talked about the fat burners, thermogenics, uh, stems back to a... Uh, protein called thermogenin, uh, and it is actually wildly unhealthy. What <laughs> happens is uh, your body, instead of using ATP to produce energy, some of that is released as heat. And typically, a thermogenic is going to be coupled with a stimulant like caffeine, uh, so it's still going to keep your heart rate up even though you have less energy. And typically, you would be hungrier because your you know your your body is not uh, utilizing energy as well as it could otherwise. So typically, it's coupled with an appetite suppressant, so you're not as hungry. So it's a combination of bad things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you know a lot of people, it's the easy way to do it. It's just not necessarily the healthy the way. healthiest way to do it. Right. So we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about body composition and what we mean by body fat and where it shouldn't be on our bodies and how we can work on that. If you want to chime in on that, please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 and we'll be back after the break. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. 
and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell here with my guest, Kai Henson, and we're talking about all things exercise and fitness today. And before we went on the break, we were talking about supplements and why they're really probably not worth the money that you're shelling out on them. Uh, and we were kind of having a little sidebar conversation over the break, and we were talking about the fact that people think uh, eating healthy is expensive, and uh, supplements are way more expensive than uh, just good basic nutrition most of the time. But what we really want folks to focus on is just being overall healthy. You know, sometimes when we're focusing on the supplement, we're focusing on the the weight on the scale, you know, and that number. And of course, we want to be weight conscious. We want to make sure that we're living in a healthy weight uh, pattern. But the nutrition that we're putting in our bodies to accomplish that is really the most important part of that, right? Yeah. So a a lot of our food, especially today in in this you know, fast food world, we've created all the highly processed food that's out there. It has plenty of calories. Uh, so it's high calorie dense, low nutrient value. You know, if you ask anyone around the world on average, what is a healthy diet? What are they going to tell you? You know, green right. fruits and Fruit. vegetables. And, you know, we've conditioned our taste to which, you know, we crave things naturally, you know, sugar, fat, salt, that kind of stuff. But, we're spoiled with our diets. We think we need to have those things all the time. It's not the case. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, it goes back to uh, just making sure, you know, you have some kind of nutrient foundation uh, that you're getting what you need through your food because it's all there. You, you don't necessarily uh, have to have the supplement right. to, to get all those things. And when we just focus on our weight, that's a a terrible marker of judging our overall health because what I see people when I'm working with people on cleaning up their diet and that kind of stuff uh, when they don't lose weight they see that as a failure you know and so then that often leads to some stress eating or you know some rebounding back into well why am I why am I eating healthy if I'm not going to lose any weight and it's not really about that number on that scale it's about how healthy we are inside you know there are very thin people who are very unhealthy on the inside and then there are people who are a little overweight who have a much better metabolic profile than folks that are super skinny yeah so it's it's a balance with that so yes we want to we want to watch our weight and make sure that we're living in a healthy weight pattern but don't use that as your only marker of whether you're making healthy changes yeah it's it's more important to be healthy you know uh, the weight will come with time if you're consistent if you're uh, eating properly if you're exercising on a regular basis that will come but you know a a lot of these especially fad diets Mm -hmm. now they'll target you know a macromolecule they'll take out you know of course your fat uh, protein and carbohydrates they'll say don't eat carbs Uh, carbs are not the enemy it's it's the moderate. Right. You know, it, it, it's how many we take in, what kind of carbohydrates Quality. we take in. Absolutely. And if you take out a macro molecule, yeah, you're going to lose weight because you're taking in less calories than you did before. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't mean you know. 
Uh, I see a lot of the, now it's the paleo, which is really the new version of, of Atkins, mm-hmm. where you just don't take in carbohydrates, uh, but it doesn't, you know, have any regulation on the amount of cholesterol and, and fat you take in for the most part, especially the cholesterol. Uh, so that goes back to your point is being healthy on the inside, not just being thin or losing right. weight. I saw a commercial. I don't, do not remember what restaurant it is, so I will not you know, attempt to name it. But it was a hamburger, but the, instead of the buns, it was fried chicken was what you put on the outside of that. And I just... I mean, it took my breath away. I was like, this is what we're marketing to people as a healthy, healthy option because it's low carb, you know. But no, okay, fried chicken does not a bun make. You know, I would rather just see you take the bread off and just eat the patty uh, over adding, you know, some fried chicken as your your. Uh, meat holder because yeah. it's just more meat. <laughs> and I think it has bacon and cheese. Yeah, something else on there. You know, whenever I'm looking at those things, I try and think of a plate when we're building a plate like seats in a car. And so each food group has its own seat in the car. And so when I'm trying to build a healthy meal, I look at it and I go, okay, is there somebody already sitting in that seat? And if there's somebody already sitting in that seat, I don't need more from that. You know, um, salads are one that I see people just go way off the wagon on salads because it's a salad. But when your salad has bacon and eggs and cheese and ham and all of that on top of it, your your protein seat and your fat seats are overloaded right there and your actual vegetable seat is pretty empty from that perspective you know yeah. when you've got three little leaves of lettuce in there and then the ranch soup that we put on top of it you know so salads you have to be very careful with that you know and when you're building one i just try and think okay i've got my veggies i've got my one protein source that i'm going to put on there and then i'm moving on maybe a side of fruit something else along in there but i just don't need to keep heaping things on there just because yeah. they're they're there yeah. and they're pretty people make salads wildly unhealthy but uh, and lettuce is is great it's insoluble fiber right. but they're you know vegetables with higher nutrient value spinach kale that sort of stuff uh, yeah yeah you can eat that thing in a salad form but be careful with the toppings mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff typically what i like to do is blend mine into a shake so i do some kind of frozen fruit base maybe some uh, plant-based protein powder, uh, and then a handful of kale or spinach blended up, uh, maybe add a little almond milk, coconut milk, and it, it tastes like something from Smoothie King. Yeah, I'm going to need for you to come make my breakfast shake yeah. in the morning. <laughs> but we do one similar to that when we do um, our healthy cooking uh, classes with kids. Um, I usually do one around Christmas time that I call a Grinch smoothie because I put spinach in it and it turns green and kids automatically go, I don't know about that because it's green. What made it green? And so we just liven it up and call it a Grinch smoothie and they down it right down. You know, It's got some Greek yogurt, some pineapple apple, you know, some other good things down in there, and they don't really realize that they're getting spinach on board with that. So that is a great way to get some extra greens in there. And I love you mentioned kale. Um, You know, kale is one of those things that people either love some kale or they hate some kale. Um, But of course, kale is not like a magic bullet either. You know, just rubbing some kale all over you is not going to solve your health problems. But I love kale raw. I love it sauteed. It's great to add into different things. And what I use it for is a meal extender. So, you know, if you're you're cooking on a budget, something like that, um, I stir it into my pasta dishes, especially, you know, if you've got, you know, your kids like spaghetti, 
you know, we'll do half a pound of, of meat and then the rest of it. Kale, so it kind of stretches it out a little bit. And you don't get as much animal protein in there from that. Um, but I have a pillow in my office that says eat kale. And so it's just a little <laughs> subliminal message for everybody that walks by my office when they see my pillow that says eat kale. Um, well, we got a little off track with that when we were talking about supplements, and I want to get back on track and talk about body fat and what we mean when we're talking about the percentage of body fat. What is that about? Yeah, so there there are certain ranges, and so body fat to me is a is a better indicator for health than BMI. Um, BMI is a typical scale that a lot of the doctors use based off height and weight. Um, yeah, for different people, especially if you have any kind of muscle mass, it, it doesn't apply as much. So if you talk about a healthy range, uh, age is a big factor there, height. But the, the average woman, uh, 20, 20 to 25, maybe even 30% body fat. Again, it, it depends on the build. Um, but, yeah, we want to keep it within that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, for men, uh, it's going to be lower, maybe closer to 20%, 15% for you know a healthy or athletic person. Um, so yeah, those those are the some some of the numbers. Uh, I see them a lot on fitness assessments when mm-hmm. I'm assessing someone. We do it through a, a bioimpedance scale, which actually uses a slight electrical current passes through the body, moves at a different rate of speed through fat as it does through muscle. Uh, based off it, it's conducting through the water, your muscle has a lot more water than fat, mm-hmm. so it's going to have less resistance through muscle, and that's that's where we get that number from. Um, but yeah, it, the the more body fat you have, the more potential health risk, that sort of stuff, uh, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all of the above. Mm-hmm. When we talk about visceral fat, you know, and fat that kind of deposits around our organs, in particular our, our abdominal area, we do know that the more abdominal fat we carry, the greater our risk of having a heart attack or a stroke or some other cardiovascular event. So belly fat in particular seems to be something women have a hard time with. I know um, I carry a little bit extra around that. I call it my kangaroo pouch because it's my little leftovers from my babies and it is hard to get rid of. And so we did have an email that came in that asked specifically about a flat tummy and how you get one of those or if you can. To me, and and, you know, a lot of people want to, that brings up a conversation called spot training. Uh, You can't just lose fat in one area. So to me, it goes back to cardiovascular fitness uh, and diet. Those are the two biggest keys, and that's the diet is especially where people have the, the biggest trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't do enough crunches or sit-ups to get a six-pack if you're overweight. Now, you're, you will gain strength in your abdominal muscles. It will still benefit you. It's still physical activity. Uh, but that's not that's not the way to do it. You can't uh, you can't do an exercise to you know if to see a certain muscle group if you are overweight. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, the muscles are underneath there, and like you said, they're getting stronger. But if they're still kind of hiding underneath that little layer of of fat, then you won't be able to actually see the definition of the muscle, but they are getting stronger. So we talked a little bit before the show about arms, because that's my particular spot that I dislike the most on myself is my my little wings, as I call them, the little flab that hangs down underneath my arm. And, you know, there's not really a way to specifically get just that part of me to get better without changing some other things as well. Um, And in particular, working on body fat composition and working on that. Now, if I drink more water when I get on that bioimpedance scale, is that going to help my <laughs> body you fat know, percentage? You, you want to be hydrated. Um, 
but I will say this too: bioimpedance scale. It's not the end all be all. It's not. It's not perfect. It has a percent error, mm-hmm. uh, and caffeine levels, diuretics, you know, hydration level does have a factor. Normally, they're about a three to five percent error. Okay. So plus or minus three to five percent of what it actually says. So I'm going to not drink my coffee, and I'm going to drink more water before I get back on that thing and get my go. get my fat percentage on there. There you go. But so if we've got this overall plan, we're going to you know work on our overall body fat percentage. But we do want to kind of work on that core muscle or that tummy and our arms. What are some of the things that are there exercises that are better or not, or should we just you know get to crunching? Yeah. So. If you're contracting at your abdominals, if you're contracting at your uh, tricep, you're working the muscle. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, To me, I like an open chain movement where my legs are hanging, or you can do it from a line position, like a flutter kick, something where you're... Your legs are moving opposed to your upper body, which is a closed chain motion. And a lot of times with sit-ups, people have a tendency to grab behind the head, grab the neck area, which can put strain on it, or for crunches. Uh, So typically, it's not my favorite exercise for that. A better alternative to me is something called an incline sit-up, which is on an incline bench. So automatically, you're off the ground. uh, You're in a better postural position. And you set the incline up to a certain degree, cross your arms across your chest, and you can do your sit-up that way, a lot less stressful, and you're still working the muscle. So no, there's not a, a perfect exercise for the abs or for the triceps. You know, there's tricep extensions. Any kind of pushing exercise is going to get some involvement at the tricep. But, you know, got to have the diet in place or the nutrition in place. Mm-hmm. I don't really like that word yeah, diet. Yeah, I don't like it either. Um, but nutrition, some type of cardiovascular activity, and then the resistance training coupled with it. Now, when we're setting out to do maybe these incline crunches or some push-ups, are there a certain number that we should shoot for, or should it be till you feel like you're going to die? No, not, yeah, definitely <laughs> not that one. <laughs> not that one. Uh, I'd say starting out, you know, it depends on the goal. For most people, maybe 15 to 20 repetitions. Uh, you know, two to four rounds, depending on the fitness level. You know, maybe start with two rounds of you know full body workout or. Um, for 15 to 20 reps is a good number to shoot for. And is the what we usually call the lady push-up, you know, where you're on your knees first, is that a cop-out or is that an okay place to start? No, that, I mean, I, I think it's excellent, but I'll caveat, a lot of people do that with improper form, even the lady push-up. Uh, issue being the hips are too high. The mm-hmm. hips rise uh, almost more of a crane position on the floor it's not with the, your booty in the air exactly so you want to keep the you know basically tighten your glutes keep your hips down and your whole body from shoulders to knees should move as one unit so right. yeah it's an excellent exercise uh, but i think it should be something you work up to even the modified version right, right. make sure you're doing it correctly it should be you should also most be able to draw a straight line down your body as you're doing that absolutely which brings me to the plank so talk to me about the plank Exercise. What is it working, and how long should we hold that if we've never done a plank before? So basically, a plank is uh, it could be from an elbow position or from an extended arm position. Basically, keeping your body in a straight line, keeping yourself off the ground. Uh, uses a lot of abdominal muscles or core, as we call them, a little bit of low back. But basically, again, keeping the glutes tight, uh, keeping the abdominals tight. But it's a, a an isometric hold. So you're holding that position, and basically you have gravity trying to weigh you down, and you're just keeping your muscles tight. To start with, 20 to 30 seconds is plenty. And again, it goes back to the fitness level, eventually you know, working up to a minute or more. Um, 
but it it, uh, it is a very effective exercise. But your body has to be off the ground. Absolutely. All right? Because my favorite plank is when I just lay down on the ground. I'm like, I am technically straight and plank-like, but that is not working out anything. That's what um, I would see with, in boot camp when my instructor would turn around. I would just lay down. I'd be like, yes, I'm planking. So uh, we're going to take another quick break, and it's the last break of the hour. So if you want to get your calls in, now is the time. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back with Kai finishing up exercise and fitness today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell here with Kai Henson, and we've been talking exercise and fitness today on the show. And I know everybody's probably outside in this heat waiting on the solar eclipse to happen today, but I remind you to be safe with that and do not look directly into the sun. Uh, Make sure you've got your approved glasses for that as well. And we've been talking about kind of core exercises, and I want to talk about what we do when we're sore um, and what that means. But first, I want to go and talk to Mikey and Mobile. Uh, Good morning, Mikey. Good morning. I'm glad you came to me first because um, one of my questions is regarding core exercises. Fantastic. Um, um, uh, Does playing, um, uh, when you play wind instruments, in other words, like if you played clarinet or trumpet or trombone or French horn or tuba or whatever, baritone, um, uh, or harmonica, my favorite, Mm -hmm. um, does that help the... uh, to develop and support the core muscles. And secondarily, when you're doing any kind of exercise, whether it's stretching or whether it is doing something like those things, is it good to have a little bit of a rest period? You know, in other words, to return to the non-activity type thing for a brief period. And I'm going to hang up and listen and happy eclipse. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome, Mike. You have a good day. All right, Kyle, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would say as far as playing a musical instrument, that's, that's interesting. Um, I would, I would say think it would be more cardio that would help with that as yeah. far as, you know, lung capacity. Exactly. Diaphragm right. is coming to mind, strengthening your diaphragm so you could, you know, have better, deeper breathing. Maybe not so much the core muscles, uh, but I guess that, you know, may, maybe slightly. I wouldn't use yeah. that as, you know, maybe necessarily wouldn't be my first choice, but may have some involvement. Yeah. And as far as rest periods, uh, so it depends on your goal. It depends on the activity. I see, you know, a lot a lot of members, they'll do a set, they'll rest on the machine, they'll sit there uh, on the machine, which is fine. They're getting some benefit, 
But, I, you know, I encourage them also to let people work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're just sitting there, stand up momentarily. Um, what I typically try to do, especially with any kind of uh, weight loss goal, is circuit-style training or supersets, just basically uh, keeping you in motion. So maybe rest for 20 or 30 seconds, move on to the next exercise. So it's keeping your heart rate up, giving you a moment, you know, uh, to collect yourself, to regain some strength, and then move on to the next exercise there. And then you can come back to the other one if you wanted another rep on that machine or Absolutely. something like that. Absolutely. So talk to me about soreness. So is soreness bad? If we've exercised to the point where we're sore, does that mean we've overdone it? Uh, not necessarily, but I, I will say that it shouldn't be an indicator to know that you have done something. You know, at first, if you're new to physical activity or if you're getting back into exercise, you will probably experience some soreness. Soreness upon movement is okay. Uh, you can have soreness upon movement. Basically, it's, you know, lactic acid buildup in, in the muscle. Um, but you don't want to develop something called micro tears. That's when you've worked to the point where you've actually done slight damage to the muscle. Um, typically, it, it could be referred to as, as DOMES, delayed onset muscle soreness, which actually occurs, you know, some, sometime 24, 48 hours after activity. And you may be sore for a week. That, that's not necessarily healthy because um, it, it takes longer. Your body's literally having to rebuild your muscle more than it, it typically would mm-hmm. uh, just under regular exercise conditions. So soreness is okay. You know, just start out light. Start. It's always better to start lighter. Um, don't start out with too many repetitions. Uh, and then, you know, over time, you'll adapt to the activity. You won't be as sore. Um Occasionally, if you change something up, you may experience a little soreness. But again, it shouldn't be an indicator to know that you have done something. And if we, let's say we have, we've done some of those little micro tears and we're sore just sitting here. Do we need to just lay off the gym for a couple of days? Yeah, you got to listen to your body. So, so particularly if it's a certain muscle group. So the rule of thumb or the guideline, 48 hours between major muscle groups. And if you're still sore, um, you may require some more time than that. So I say listen to your body. If you're still sore, rest that particular muscle group. If it's your whole body, rest your whole rest body. Rest your whole body. Yeah, and, until, you, uh, until that soreness fades. Soreness upon movement is okay, but just sitting down and you're sore, you've probably overdone it. Well, that's some great information there. And Kai, thank you so much for coming back on the show with me, and I'll have you on again, I'm sure. And if you have a question that we that you didn't get in, you can email it at fit at mpbonline.org. And be sure to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.